We want to welcome you here to our uh, first week of our series, Radical Living. And let's jump right into it. Uh, turn your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. He did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Through him, the world might be saved. Shout amen. 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 Lord, we ask that you would do something special in all of our lives uh, as we think about what it means to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thank you. All right, here's a big idea for this series, uh, which is essentially that from a biblical standpoint, Believing in Jesus actually means following Jesus. Uh, That from a biblical standpoint, it's not sufficient to simply say, uh, I intellectually affirm that Jesus is who he says that he is. That actually to be a disciple of Jesus means that you believe to the extent that you are willing and able and ready to follow him. Now, a great example of this is, uh, I could tell you all day long, you ask me, say, well, do you believe that stool will hold you? I say, well, of course I believe this stool will hold me. It's, it's, quite, it's, it's quite strong. Uh, do you really, really believe? Absolutely. But that belief is not actualized until I do this. Abandon myself to the strength of the stool. To put it another way, uh, if your boyfriend or girlfriend, if you ask them, uh, you know, am I marrying material? And, and, and he or she says, oh yes, absolutely you're marrying material. And, uh, you know, two years later they're still saying, absolutely you're marrying material. And, you know, eight years later they're still saying, absolutely you're marrying material. But, but, but that is not actualized until they actually marry you. Right? So following Jesus, believing in Jesus has everything to do with whether or not we're willing to follow him. Ask the person next to you, ask him, are you a follower of Jesus? Just ask him. Follower of Jesus. Now John 3.16 is an interesting passage. Most of us know it uh, and we're familiar with it, but we just miss how radical the text is. Actually, it occurs because Nicodemus, one of the uh, Jewish leaders, is thinking about what does it mean to believe in Jesus. And he's really thinking about whether or not he wants to publicly follow Jesus. So he goes to see Jesus at night and he's having this discussion. He's trying to figure out whether or not he can trust Jesus enough to follow him, to put his reputation uh, uh, at bay as a result of it. And Jesus responds to him this way. He simply begins to quote what, uh, to share what we just read in John three sixteen and 17. And Essentially, what Jesus is saying is that if you really understood what God has done for you through his son, meaning Jesus himself, this would not be an issue. You would, you would certainly follow me. And he's saying several things. There's several things here. First of all, Jesus points out that, that through him, uh, God has released a radical generosity. For the text says that God gave his one and only how many of you would give your one and only son? 
to save the rest of us in here. Can somebody shout radical? This is a radical notion, even by God. And then uh, Jesus points to the fact that there is a, 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 a radical sacrifice. He gave his one and only son that whosoever will believe in him should not perish but will have everlasting life. It suggests that, it reminds us that when Jesus died on the cross that, that, that he identified with our sins and that he died in our place that our sins would not block us from having everlasting life. What a sacrifice. Radical. And then he's talking about, uh, if you knew who I was, you would experience a radical love from God. The text says that all of this is about, comes as a result of the fact that God so loves the world. Put it another way, God loves you and me so much. Most of, many of us don't know that kind of love. It's like, really? We look for that love. We can't find it. And Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, it's right here in front of you. And then last is this radical forgiveness because the text says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This notion is that no matter what you have done, that, that if you surrender your life to Jesus, if you would dare abandon yourself to him, there comes a radical forgiveness. It's unlike anything else. And so what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is, if you really understood what I bring to you, you would, you would jump at the, at the opportunity to abandon your life to me. And so to follow Jesus really is about uh, receiving the radical nature of who he is, but it really is about becoming radical in your living. Because Jesus is saying, when you abandon yourself to me, I don't just want you to receive my uh, my love. I don't want you just to receive my sacrifice. Just receive. Receive. I want you to pursue me. I want you to learn from me. I want you to live the way I'm living. Amen. I want you to be my disciple. It's this notion that Jesus is inviting us to be as radical as he is. Now, Back to Matthew, we was there last week, and this is where we're going to spend most of our time uh, for the next several uh, weeks. And so I encourage you to read the first 10 chapters in Matthew. Uh, we're going to really hang out between chapters 5 and, and 7. Uh, but you remember last week I told you that uh, Jesus says in chapter 5, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. What, what is he talking about? Now you get it. He's saying, if you live as radical as I live, you, will, you, you won't have to point yourself out. Other people will see you. They will say, wow, there's something kind of weird about that person. They love differently. They forgive differently. They sacrifice differently. And, and, and not only is there something kind of weird about that person, but there's something kind of attractive as well. And in that sense, you're the light and soul of the world. Now, Matthew lays out in very subtle ways the connection between following Jesus and living a radical life as he talks about the disciples as they are called. Now, uh, in chapter 4, I'll give you quick examples. Matthew's writing this book in chapter 4, verse 17. 
the first sermon that Jesus preaches is repent, turn from your sins, uh, turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. I'm going to talk about that next week, but this, this call to repent is, is the parenthesis for everything that comes next. And then verse 18, uh, the text says, Jesus is walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he sees two brothers. One is uh, uh, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing their nets into the water. Everybody shout nets. Throwing their nets into the water. For they fished for a living. That's how they made a living. And it says, and Jesus calls out. Matthew wants us to hear that Jesus is calling out. Don't just believe in me, but follow me. And he says, follow me, and I'll show you how, how, to, how, to, how to fish for people. I'll show you how to, how to change the world, change the community, change people around you. And the text says that they left their nets at once followed him. Notice, it says they left their nets. This is Matthew's way of saying that when Jesus calls you to follow, he's calling for high radical commitment. And sometimes it might mean that you need to leave your career. That's what he's saying. And then the next says, uh, Jesus goes a little further up the shore. He sees two other brothers. Uh, James and John, they're in a boat uh, with their father Zebedee repairing nets. And Jesus also calls to them to come. And immediately they follow him, leaving behind their boat and their father. This is Matthew's way of saying that the call of Jesus is so radical that every now and then he will call you not only to leave your career, but sometimes he's going to call you to walk away from those who are the closest to you. In other words, Jesus calls us to prioritize him Greater than anyone else in our lives. Significant call. Then Matthew goes through the Sermon on the Mount. He shows us some of Jesus' teaching. And then we get to chapter 9. And Matthew says, so now let me tell you about my call. And it's chapter 9, verse 9. And Matthew is saying, I'm sitting at the tax collector's table. This is a big deal here because tax collectors are seen as just great sinners. And he says, and Jesus walks up to me and says, follow me. Be my disciple. Now, there's a guy by the name of Kyle Eidemann who wrote a book entitled Not a Fan. And the basic thesis of the book is this. This is what Pastor Kyle says. He says, he says that many of us who say we are followers, at the end of the day, we're not followers of Jesus. We're just fans of Jesus. It's a good book. You ought to read it. Well, Kyle tells a story, true story from his life in this book I thought was interesting. He says that he and his wife purchased a home and the home had a room in it that had white carpet. He says, obviously, the, the owners of the, the, the folk who pre-owned the home didn't have children. He says, so later on, his wife convinced him to buy a love seat, a white love seat, and put it on the white carpet in the room. And they called the room the white room. And they called the kids around, at least the mom there, called the witnesses, don't play in this room. This is off limits. This is kind of like the nice room of the house. One day, 
mom is kind of straightening up in the white room and she happens to kind of pull up the pillar on the love seat and discover that the room has a secret. Beneath the pillar is a stain, nail polish, pink, scattered over the pillow, but it was covered over. So they got, they, she called her husband, and the husband called the three girls down. And, and when the three girls came down, uh, uh, and, and they introduced, and the, the, the mama starts saying, I found, and the husband started to raise the pillow, the middle girl, Morgan, screamed and ran out of the room upstairs. Now, here's an insight. Uh, a lot of us come to church looking like the white room. On the outside, we look like everything is just fine. I mean, I mean, you know, some of the ladies are looking at some of the guys in here, and it's like, wow, he's a hunk. He really looks good. You know, some of the guys are looking at some of the ladies in here, and they say, oh, she's pretty, she's fine, like everything is together. Some of y'all are looking at some of the parents, and you see their kids, and you say, wow, the kids are really orderly. They really have it together. I wish my kids were like that. Somebody else is looking at the CEO of the business, and they're saying, wow, she look at her. She's making so much money. Her life is so all together. But what you do just don't know is that most of us come into this place with a stain under the pillow. Now here at NBCC, we're trying to change the environment because we know that we can't be transformed until we become honest about the stains under the pillow. That we can't be transformed until we become honest about the fact, you know what? I'm not okay. You know, a lot of people go to church and they got to pretend like I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. So I'm going to help you with this right now, all right? So I want you to turn to a neighbor somewhere close to you and I want you to say, just, just turn to the neighbor and just, just say what I say. Say, neighbor. Now I want you talking to somebody. Talk to somebody. All right, say, neighbor. I just want you to know, I'm not okay. Man, doesn't that feel good, baby, to say that, admit that in church? I'm not okay. I got sustained under the pillow. All right, just so that you can actually get this, I want you to turn to another neighbor, find somebody else you didn't talk to before, and say, uh, 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 neighbor, just in case. You're not, okay? You're not okay? Don't worry about it. Worry about I'm, it. Not okay I'm not okay either. <laughs> if you're not okay and you come to church, you're in good company. You're surrounded by folk who are not okay. Matthew wasn't okay. That's what he's saying when he writes this, writing about his story. He said, I wasn't okay. Now you got to get under Matthew's story. To this guy who's a tax collector. It was not his parents' intent that he would become a tax collector. You, you see, his other name was Levi. Mark chapter 2 tells us that his other name, his Jewish name, was Levi. They named him Levi. It is to suggest that his parents intended for him to grow up to be a man of God because he was, they were part of the Leviticus tribe. And he was in line to become priest. What that means is, his father was a priest. 
His grandfather was probably a priest. His great-grandfather was a priest. And Matthew was born, Levi was born to be a priest. Probably by the time he got to be 12 years of age, as most folk in his context, he could quote, he had memorized uh, the first five books of the Old Testament, which we refer to as the Pentateuch. That was custom back then. He, could, he, could, he had memorized all five of those books. How did he become a tax collector? We don't know, but something happened. Maybe it was that he saw uh, a priest uh, in a synagogue uh, do something that was so ungodly that it destroyed his faith, maybe. Maybe it was that he saw his father do something that was so ungodly that destroyed his faith. I don't know. Maybe he applied to rabbinical school and got rejected. But there was something that so shattered his faith that he decided to leave the synagogue, to leave religion, to leave this experience of faith and just go ahead and do what he wants to do. Now, some of us, come on, we have stains up under the pillow and we hide it. We pretend like we're all right. There are others among us like Matthew who say, look. All y'all know I got stains. I know I got stains. I'm going to live loud with my stains. Just get over it. That's Matthew. Man, let me tell you about tax collector in the Jewish context. Here's the, here's the, 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 the issue. Uh, if you were a Jewish tax collector, that means you work for the Roman government. The Roman government was an occupying power in Israel. That means they had soldiers and they were enforcing themselves on the nation of Israel. If you were a Jewish tax collector, it meant that you worked for the occupying power, the oppressors. And, in, and you were authorized to collect the taxes. And what they said was, you can take as much money as you want, as long as you give us, Rome says, what's due us. So these tax collectors were despised because not only were they working for the enemy, gouging their own people, but they were making themselves rich at the same. So the worst kind of sinner in Judaism, in Israel, was a tax collector. Living loud, his thing. You know, some of you, that's kind of where you are, right? Some of you checked out on religion a long time ago. I mean, you checked out on church a long time ago. Some of you are not even sure how you got here today. It's a miracle. And yet, deep in Matthew's heart, even though he was living loud, he was like a tax He's like, I don't care what my parents, because you know, you know he broke his parents' heart. You know that some of his family members and friends had rejected him. And he was like, I don't really care what y'all think. I'm going to get mines. I'm making my money. I got a good career. You know, talk to the hand. <laughs> and yet, as is the case, with each of us, there was something within. Kyle's daughter, Morgan, she ran upstairs, screaming and crying, went into the closet, sit on the floor. Her dad followed her up, went in the closet, sat down beside her, talked her into coming back down. She came back down, came into the room, with tears streaming down her face, she said to her mom and dad, guess what happened? I was playing with 
some nail polish in the room and it spilled on the pillow. She said, I tried to get it up. I rubbed and rubbed and rubbed. But the harder I rubbed, the deeper the stain got. She said, the only thing I could think of it was to turn the pillow over. To make it look like everything was okay, she said. But whenever I would come into the room, she said, I would get sick of my stomach. Because I, I knew that, that it was just a matter of time before somebody finds out. Doesn't that sound like somebody's story here? It says that, you know, you've got a stain and you really did try some addiction. You, 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 you've scrubbed, you've scrubbed to try to get it out. It's some kind of trouble. And the harder you worked at it, the worse it has become. And, and, and you're just so afraid that your boss is going to find out that you're not who he or she thinks you are. You're so afraid that your spouse or your girlfriend's going to find out you're not who he or she, uh, who, who she thinks you are. You're so afraid that your children are going to find out that you are not the person that they think. And you just know it's a matter of time. Why are you so afraid? Morgan was the little girl's name. She articulates it. When she finishes, she says, she looks up at her mom and dad. Tears are streaming. She says, will you still love me? Will you still love me? I know I messed up big time. Will you still love me? And the mama got down to where the girl was, got down on her knees, and she said, Baby Morgan, let me just tell you, and a lot of our kids need to hear this from us, there is no stain big enough that can stop you from, from us from loving you. That was Matthew's story. He was living loud. He had concluded, I'm staying and there's no hope for me. There's no help for me. And yet, deep down in his soul was an aching hope and an aching question. Will you still love me? Will you still love me? And what was so remarkable was that when Jesus came, Jesus is the great rabbi, right? He's, he's in the rabbinical tradition. And by this point in Matthew's writing, crowds are following Jesus. He's, 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 he's uh, tremendously famous. And, and, and in that day, uh, uh, if you wanted to be a disciple of a rabbi, you had to make application. And it was kind of like trying to get into Harvard, right? You had to have the best, the most impeccable, you know, you had a 4.0, you had to have a 36 on your, on your ACT, you got to have a 2400 on your SAT, I mean, and then you might make it. Rabbis didn't come asking you know, they wouldn't do that. And by the way, in other words, they picked the best of the best. Why? Because the rabbi reputation is attached to the student. And the way the rabbi is seen as brilliant is that his students are viewed as brilliant. So the rabbi only took the top of the, the cream of the crop. Matthew way down here. Mama won't talk to him. The brother doesn't like him. Friends don't want to have anything to do with him. But Rabbi Jesus comes to him. Y'all ain't listening to me. 
He's sitting at the tax collector table. He's in the middle of doing his bad stuff. Come on now. To his own people. And Rabbi Jesus comes to him. What generosity. Rabbi Jesus comes to him and says, follow me. Be my disciple. My goodness, what sacrifice that Jesus would attach his reputation to Matthew's reputation in order to redeem Matthew. What love. My goodness, what. How radical. It's so radical that Matthew is blown away. Jesus was saying, Matthew, I know you got a big stain, but you can't have a stain big enough to stop me from loving you. It's radical living. That's the message of the church. That's what we're called to deliver. So for the next several weeks, we're going to not just talk about, I'm going to go into detail about, about how to live radical like Jesus lived, which is so transformational. How could it not be? But we're going to also practice it. We're going to practice it every step of the way because there's a part of learning that only happens when you practice it. So one of the ways we're going to do it is that we're, we're going to do our Be Rich campaign this year as we, have we, as we did last year. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, you know, and to stand this church uh, gave birth to it. We adopted it and drove it last year here. They heard about what we've done, what we did last year. They invited us to join with them and a whole host of churches is doing it all over the country and the world. And so, and so we're going we're gonna to join with them and we're going to use that as a vehicle to practice. Go ahead, run the tape and Evelyn's going to come and talk to us. Hey everybody, greetings from Alpharetta, Georgia. We are so excited that your church is one of 40 churches across the country and around the world launching the Be Rich campaign today. Thank you for being a part of this year's extravaganza of generosity. Joining our six Atlanta area churches, as well as our North Point online audience in alphabetical order and be sure to make your presence known, we have Anthem Church in Florida, Athens Church from right here in the state of Georgia, Beachside Community Church, Bethel Philadelphia Mills, Citrus Point Church, Fraser Point Church, Greenbrier Church, Lake Oconee Church, LCBC in Pennsylvania, all nine campuses. Again, thanks for joining us for this, um, this year's Be Rich campaign. Longleaf Church in Warner Robins, Georgia. New Beginnings Community Church, New Vintage Church out in California. North Tarrant Church in Fort Worth. Northbridge Community Church and Open House Church in Costa Rica. We're so glad you guys are joining us this year. We also have Providence Church out in Texas. River Rock Church, South Point Church in South Africa. Welcome 
once again to the Be Rich campaign. Southside Church, both campuses, Peachtree City and Noonan, Two Cities Church out in California, and Vita Inn out in uh, Mexico. You guys have two campuses. Thanks so much for joining us this year. We have Waypoint Community Church again from South Africa, and then Wiregrass Church in both Bainbridge, Georgia and Dothan, Alabama. You should just all give yourselves a hand. You see, combined, get this, combined, that's over 92,000 adults, students, and children, 92,000 being rich together, and that is amazing. Now, for those of you who have participated before, you know what Be Rich is and you know what's in store. Our churches here in the Atlanta area are going into our 10th year of this initiative. And along with Easter, it has become one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Our Be Rich campaign is how we give, serve, and love our local communities. Now, the name Be Rich comes from something the apostle Paul told his protege, Timothy. He instructed him with the following instructions. He said, Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world to do good and to be rich, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And so that is what we are gonna do together. We're going to be rich toward others. We're going to be rich in good deeds and we're going to be generous and willing to share. Now, the Apostle Paul's instruction is directed toward a very specific audience. He's talking to those who are rich in this present world. And this is where we are quick to give ourselves an out, to give ourselves a pass, because that's not us, is it? That's not me. I'm not rich. At least I don't feel rich. And my guess is that you don't either. But let's not move past that assumption too quickly. Here is a staggering statistic. Did you know According to the global rich list, if you make $33,000 a year or more, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world, the top 1%. In other words, at 33,000 American dollars or its equivalent, you earn more money than 99 out of every 100 people in the world, which means, are you ready for this? That nearly all of us are rich by global standards, whether we feel rich or not. And as I said earlier, if we're honest, part of the problem is we just don't feel rich regardless of our income. And that is part of the problem. And that's why we do be rich. You see, the reason that most of us don't feel rich is that most of us just aren't very good at being rich. When it comes to spending, we tend to spend all that we make and often more than we make. We live without any financial margin and that lack of margin spills over into other areas of our lives. And as many of us have discovered where there's no margin, there's no peace, no matter how much money you make. And when it comes to giving, we're no better at being rich. On average, the more a person makes, the more a person makes, the less they give. As their income increases, the percentage that they give decreases. Or another way of saying the same thing is this, the richer we get, the less generous we become. Again, we're just not very good at being rich. So over the next few weeks, we are all going to practice being rich toward others. We're going to give, we're going to serve and we're going to love those around us. We're gonna unleash a wave of generosity in our communities and we're gonna ask all of you 
to participate. And that's always our aim every single year for everyone to participate in Be Rich. Now, over the past several months, your church staff has identified some of the best charities, some of the best nonprofits in your community. And they have in turn, those charities have in turn identified their needs so that through your church's generosity, their dreams can come true when it comes to impacting your local communities. Being rich toward others is good for us as individuals, and it makes a difference for the nonprofit partners and organizations in your community, and it makes a huge difference for those they serve. The local church, don't you believe this is true? The local church should be known for its compassion and its generosity. And Be Rich provides us with an opportunity to do just that, to unleash a wave of compassion and generosity in our communities. My name is Evelyn Powery. I'm the director of Transforming Communities. We are so excited that we are kicking off our Be Rich holiday campaign. Many of you were here last year. We did this campaign and we're so excited to kick it off again. Now, how we're doing it is three ways. Give, serve, and love. And you have an insert in your bulletin that gives all this information. Actually, you'll notice that there are two in your bulletin and that's not a mistake. One is for you and one is for you to give to a friend or a family member who might wanna join you and might be interested in hearing what we're doing as a church in the community. Now, before I go into who we're gonna be benefiting, Andy Stanley did mention that we've looked at my team and I have looked at organizations all throughout the community, and we're so excited. But up front, I'm just going to give you the dates. So the give, serve, and love dates that you want to pay attention to. Give is next Sunday, October 23rd, is when we'll have our big Give Sunday. Serve date on your calendar is Saturday, November 19th. We'll be serving at a variety of organizations. And the love dates are November 13th and 20th. So you can just start sticking those in your head. They're on the card. We'll reinforce them over and over, but those are the dates. Now, who are we going to benefit? I am so excited that we are going to help and partner alongside organizations all throughout the Bay Area. We recognize that this is a regional church, and even though we meet on Sundays in Mountain View, many of you are coming all the way down south, San Jose, even Morgan Hill. Some of you are coming from the East Bay, from Oakland, from San Francisco. We're coming from all over, and so we have partnered with organizations all around the Bay Area. So who are they? The first one is City Team. Now, City Team has um, locations all throughout the country, including here in California, in San Jose, and in Oakland. And they work with the homeless population. So they provide housing and they provide food, as well as a bunch of other services and programs for people to help them transition and get back into society and be successful and be empowered as leaders. And so we will be partnering with them in San Jose and in Oakland. They reach over 500,000 people all around the country and the world. Next, we're partnering with the Alameda County Community Food Bank. So the other side of the bay, the Alameda County Community Food Bank works with 240 different agencies to provide food to over 300,000 people all up and down the East Bay in Alameda County. So we're very excited to partner with them. We are also partnering with Second Harvest Food Bank on this side of the bay in Santa Clara County and San Mateo counties. They reach over 250,000 people and give out a million meals a week. So we're excited that we've got the whole bay covered. 
We are also partnering with Columbia Middle School in Sunnyvale. So many of you might be familiar with Columbia Middle School. We worked with them at Beautiful Day in this past April. We did a lot of projects there, painting, working with their students and their teachers. And so we will be returning to Columbia Middle School for this Be Rich campaign. And finally, we're working in East Palo Alto with Project We Hope. And Project We Hope also works with the homeless population. They have a shelter and they provide food and tons of programming for the men and women that pass through there. And Project We Hope truly is a beacon of light in East Palo Alto. They partner with organizations and churches all throughout, and it, I'm so excited that we get to partner with them. So how are we going to do this? We have three ways. Give, serve, and love. Everybody say give. give. Let's say it again. Give. give. So give, we're asking, which will be next Sunday, is giving $39.95. One easy payment of $39.95. And what we're going to do is pull all of this money together and give 100% of it away to the organizations that I mentioned. Now, you might think, oh, $39.95, either that's a lot of money or that's not that much money. For those that might not be able to give $39.95, give what you can. And, but I think for all of us, if we were able to give up coffee for the next week even... You can afford $39.95. And many of us can afford a lot more than that. And it's going to add up pretty quickly. We've already identified needs at all these organizations, whether we're going to be able to provide a new stove for them, um, field trips for the children. There's a lot of needs that these organizations have, and we're so excited to give all of this money away out into this community. In addition to the organizations that I mentioned, we've also, over the last few weeks, been following Hurricane Matthew, which hit through the Caribbean and up on the East Coast. And so we've been really watching especially what's been going on with Haiti, because we know that they were heavily affected um, and are still recovering from the earthquake that they had a few years ago. So we're figuring out organ an organization that we will also partner with in Haiti to give part of this money away to them as well. And so we're just excited to be a light in the community and help these organizations do what they do best um, and have the resources that they need. So that's Give. We will profile this more next week, October 23rd. Next is Serve. Everybody say Serve. So we have service opportunities on Saturday, November 19th at four different locations all throughout the Bay Area. So you can find a location near where you live and meet other people in the congregation who live near you. In San Jose, we will be at City Team. In Sunnyvale, we'll be at Columbia Middle School. In East Palo Alto, we'll be at Project We Hope. And then up in Oakland, we'll also be at the City Team Oakland office. And so we're doing a variety of projects. Many of them are family-friendly, so we encourage you to serve alongside your kids and to really bless these community organizations in the work that they do. And we're asking everyone to give a morning or an afternoon of your time. Sign-ups will open in a couple of weeks, but at least you can get that date on your calendar, November 19th. And finally, we have love. Everybody say love. love. Now, we are going to show our love for these organizations by giving food to the Second Harvest Food Bank. Now, for the last couple of years, we've been partnering with the Mountain View Seventh-day Adventist, this church, um, to give to the Second Harvest Food Bank. And on the weeks of November 13th and 20th, you'll see bins all throughout the church, and we're asking everyone to bring three pounds of food, and that's just three or four cans. It's pretty doable, and you'll be surprised at how quickly this adds up, and we can give thousands of pounds of food away to Second Harvest Food Bank. So that's give, serve, and love, and more details are there on the card that's in your bulletin. 
Now you might be wondering, what about our children and youth? How are they gonna participate? Because here I am talking to you, the adults, but our CYM are fully participating in Be Rich. And I'm gonna ask Simone and Javier, my helpers, to come up and help me present this part. Let's give them a hand. All right, so Simone and Javier have the little baggies of coins. You can see their coins. Now, CYM is going to be collecting coins, digging through the couches, going through the car, asking mom and dad for some coins that they can fill their Ziploc bag, and every class is hoping to raise $39.95. Now, you might wonder, you know, you see a penny here, a nickel there, this, these coins really add up. Last year, when we did this, we didn't know how much was going to be raised. We thought maybe a hundred, a couple hundred, and CYM brought in over a thousand dollars worth of coins. It is incredible. And so we're so excited that all of the coins and the money that CYM is able to contribute is going to go towards the Alameda County Community Food Bank. And they have a program where every dollar donated multiplies into $6 worth of food. And so we can show our children that by giving to these organizations, their generosity is multiplied. So that's with Give for the CYM. With Serve, we invite you to serve together on November 19th or at another organization of your choice. And with Love, they're bringing in canned food as well. So that's how CYM are involved. And before I sit down, I just want to go over some goals that we have, because goals are good. All right, we're going to set some goals. So our give goal is $30,000. Last year, we set a goal of $25,000, and we are up in the ante this year to reach $30,000 that we can give completely away into the community. Our serve goal is 800 hours. Last year, our goal was 625 hours, and we know we can exceed that this year with our goal of 800 hours. And finally, our love goal is 3,000 pounds, or a ton and a half of food that we can give to Second Harvest Food Bank. Now, before I sit down, I just want to run through the dates again so that they're in your mind. The give date is next Sunday, November, October 23rd. The serve date is November 19th, and the love dates are November 13th and 20th. Now, I'm just going to invite Pastor Herman up so that he can finish the message. Come on, let's give God a hand, praise. Beautiful. Uh, and, and celebrate these young people as they go back down. Isn't that, aren't they just the cutest? <laughs> so, here's how we wrap this up. On last week... Uh, I told you in the message entitled Radical Politics that while we may be extraordinarily frustrated about what's happening on the national level, God is asking followers of Jesus, what are you going to do? And what we've just laid out over the next several weeks, all across the Bay Area, we're going to get engaged with showing and demonstrating the power and the love of Jesus in a radical way. Now, I talked to you about uh, what it's like to be stained. Most of us come with our own stains. Stains show up in a lot of different ways. For example, if you are homeless and living in a homeless shelter or in a garage somewhere, most likely you may feel stained. Those who are receiving meals every day because they cannot afford to, to provide meals for their own family, a million a week, 
most likely among those of folk who feel stained. Kids who are going to school, Columbia Middle School, and uh, the best meal of the day are the meals that they receive at school. Number of them are returning to homeless shelters. Many of those kids feel stained. And they have a little question inside. Will you still love me? Well, we're going to answer that question. That over the next several weeks, we're going to engage people by the tens of thousands all over this Bay Area with this radical love in all the ways that we've talked about it. And when it's all over, it is our prayer that they will know because the church showed up that God loves them. And it's that kind of radical love that can change lives and literally change the world. Can we celebrate the fact that we're going to be engaged with that? Now, the other thing that I really like about this is you've heard me say before that NBCC is not the church. We are a congregation. We're a part of the larger church. And I'm so excited that uh, this year we're partnering with uh, 40 other congregations during the same period of time 92,000 adults, students, and children. That's what it looks like to be the light of the world. Shining brightly. That's what it's about. And while we do it, we will be practicing just a little bit about how do we live radical lives like Jesus. And so here's what I want to ask you to do. Uh, Secondly, I want to remind you, first thing is, I want to remind you, you have two cards. Give this card to some, one is for you, so you'll know the dynamics. The other is for you to give to somebody that you know very, very well, who's going to be shocked to hear that the church is doing this. You want to give it to them and invite them to come and be a part. Second is your connection card. On your connection card, you know, while we're thinking about what, how we're going to be transformational with other people, it begins with us. Come on, come on. Say, it begins with me. Point at yourself. It begins with me. Have you received the radical love of Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? Listening by video in this pew. It may be that your next step is to take, is to simply check on this card. I want to be a follower of Jesus now. Or be baptized or be a part of a small group. Here's the best challenge that I'm going to make to those here and those listening. Is, or rather equally as important, is under the response to the message. I want you to commit that for the next several weeks you're going to watch this series if you're not here locally. Or you're going to be here with us. And, and that you're going to engage. And I want you to demonstrate that simply by writing. I will... Explore living a radical life with Jesus. Fill this out. Turn it in as your commitment. And let's see what God does. Shout amen.